This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Really, really appreciate you sending your questions. A lot of good stuff. Definitely offensive line heavy, so we'll get to another one. Adam Wheel says, if you got to pick one player on both sides of the ball to make a huge improvement, who would it be? I'm inclined to say someone on the offensive line because Carmen or Volson making big leaps could be amazing. Plus, we have multiple more years. As for our defense, maybe if you could pick someone on the defensive side of the ball that you say this person's really going to see a lot of improvement, even though the defense has been legit for the last couple of years. Okay. Um, I agree with him. It would be offensive line. I don't think you really need to think of anybody else. Mm-hmm. I guess a Drew Sample breakout year of like 700 yards would be funny <laughs> and very useful, but also just like, where was this? Uh, but yeah, we'll go offensive line. I think the easiest one would be um, Volson. It's yeah. just, he makes a huge leap, right? And I do think he got the second one right in Carmen. I think the most fun because of how excited I was for it would be Lyle Collins playing like he did in 2020, 2021. That would be awesome, right? That would be that would be the one that it wouldn't be the best for the team from a long-term standpoint. It would pretty mm-hmm. much just be what this year. <laughs> It'd be so much fun though. He was so good in Dallas. I thought he was a top five right tackle when he was playing out there. And then the injuries were just more than we thought. And he was never playing a top five right tackle level here in Cincinnati. So the smart move is that Volson, if I if I got to wave the wand, it would be make Volson a plus-plus starter, like, you know, maybe almost Pro Bowl-level starter. And then you've got him for, what, like less than a million dollars the next three years. And that would be a lot of surplus value. Is that your move for uh, the offense or – are you on the Drew Sample, 800 yards, 10 touchdowns? I hope Drew Sample is a blocking ten in his whole entire time out there. That's all I hope for Drew Sample. Um, no offense. I, honestly, you know what I'll say? He's um, He didn't play on the team last year, but I'll say Herb Smith. Um, it's been okay. you know the tight end luck to get paid after playing with Joe Burrow for at least one year. I know CJ Uzama was with Joe during his rookie year too, but it just seems like they really flourish. And, and some of the yeah buts with Herb Smith is, yeah, but he gets hurt all the time. Can this guy stay healthy? And maybe I'm just rooting for the guy. It's probably going to be one year in Cincinnati. Um, he's still a young guy, a lot of upside. So I would say maybe Herb Smith in that role, even though he didn't play on the Cincinnati Bengals last year because they do they need him to step, step up. And I know he's kind of a different tight end receiver mm-hmm. that's a fun one that i didn't think of because he wasn't on the Bengals last year but yeah improving from where he was at minnesota to cincinnati whether that's consistency with health or that's even getting better as a player too this is so, totally- oh, we didn't do the defensive side yeah do the defense now that's the one i was thinking about you got it first time. you got it first okay this is so hard i would say 
I'm, I'm thinking of every position group going through my head right now. And, I, you know, I think of the defensive line because that's still a weak link for this team. You got to get pressure on the quarterback and maybe having Miles Murphy and Joseph Asai out there rotating the pieces in. It's really going to put pressure on them. I'm going to go secondary. And all eyes are on this guy. It's going to be Dax Hill. And I know that isn't fair because we didn't get to see Dax Hill really that much in the role in the safety position as rookie year. But I think I would say I would want to see. It, it's hard to answer. I'm saying Dax Hill, but I wouldn't even say like there's room for improvement because we really didn't see Dax Hill last year. But it's kind of a lazy take. So that's where I'll go. No, I think that's probably my first thought was Dax Hill. Make, you know, he plays at safety and he plays at an above average level to start the year or something. I think... I really want to say like Joseph Osai, but how much of an impact will an improved Joseph Osai have? Like it'll be there, yeah. but I think you get a better impact if somehow Cam Taylor Britt just becomes a lockdown, shutdown corner. That would be fun. A uh, big bully corner. And he's just locking guys down, shutting down his side of the field. Cheeto can take his time getting healthy. They don't need that cornerback one. We've got it in Cam Taylor Britt. So maybe that would be a fun wave of the wand. Other than that, Osai makes a lot of sense. Just, you know, they need that pass rusher. Maybe you make, maybe if you could be particular with the wand, you make it so he's a really, really good interior pass rusher <laughs> to go with being a good outside rusher. And now it makes sense where you can fit him onto the field. It's just like, well, you put him at three tech and he's got to dominate these guards or something. But yeah, I guess uh, it's either Dax Hill or Cam Taylor Britt for the most impact for me because they're going to be full time starters. They're going to play like 900 snaps. Yeah, and you want those guys to stay healthy, obviously. Um, and what is Cheeto going to look like? Uh, obviously, his Instagram live videos, everything looks really impressive with Cheeto back out there. He was injured on Halloween night. Um, you, you think about the secondary room, even the rookies on the bench. I don't think that Lou wants to throw him out there yet, but uh, that'll be that'll be something to see. Yeah, I, I think the defense is just so fun. It really is. And it's crazy to say that when you look on the offensive side and you have all those weapons and then Joe Burrow, a quarterback. But I really look forward to what uh, the, this defensive line will look like. I, I want... Trey Hendrickson to get a couple breathers, you know, on the sideline. And, and he doesn't have to be out there all the time. And maybe you can rotate these pieces in. Um, so that's something to watch. This is totally random and it's not a question, but we've talked about offensive line pretty much on 90% of our podcasts the whole entire offseason. And you could say even during regular season. I just noticed this recently, and we've talked about Jonah Williams on the right side. We talk about Jackson Carmen, Cordell Volson, Alex Kappa, Tech Harris, Orlando Brown, since he signed. Doesn't it feel like he's really embraced this city in this role and, and just kind of really enjoyed I, the Anthony Munoz interview I heard on Dan Horde's podcast. And it just really seems like this guy is, I hope he plays well and it all goes well for him on the left tackle side, but I've just been really excited to see what, what Orlando's going to look like. Yeah. I feel like he's done a lot of things that he's went above and beyond to ingrate himself into the city and make it feel like a home rather than, a mercenary type where it's like that they, they paid me i'm here uh you know made it more made it more feel more homey you know the the interview with anthony, anthony munoz also the thing with the mayor for the schedule mm -hmm. release you know all he's he's at the forefront of a lot of this uh all we need now is um uh, uh, the what the skyline trying the skyline and saying it's good i thought you were going to say the revenge game against the chiefs that's yeah that too that, that's way down the line I yep mean, Yep, got to get that in 2024. Or no, it's on New Year's Eve. Sorry, the day before 2024. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited about Orlando Brown. We've just, we always talk about offense alignment, and I just feel like uh, I never bring him up, and, and he just seems to be really embracing his he's, own Cincinnati. 
Well, him, him, Karras, and Cap are probably the guys you you feel like you know what's going on. So mm-hmm. while we do a lot of offensive line talk, I feel like most of it is left guard, right tackle. You're right. Else, We're really talking about like, or Alex Cabot. Yeah, because like rock solid. All right, let's move on. Let's hit the positions that we don't know if they are. That's totally true. And and I'm okay with that. Just like I, I never want the, the official to mention their names. I, we're okay not to mention in Orlando Brown, uh, Ted Karras, or Alex Kappa. Let's talk about the other positions and hopefully they turn out okay. We'll go to Brian. He says, when you are in deep in debate about player rankings, what's your go-to metrics for offensive line, pass rushers, cornerback, wide receivers, and quarterbacks? Ooh, offensive line, I don't think there really is one. I think you just got to watch. And um there's smart guys that do some ranking tier type stuff. You know, Brandon Thorne always releases at least the top 15 at each position. So you can use that. I just, I, I don't love the PFF stuff. I think it's so, I'm, I just think it's so. Uh, Bad. <laughs> I'm trying not to say that. Uh, I don't think it's terrible. I just, Offensive line is a position that I think is dependent on a lot of factors, whether that's the scheme or the guy they're going up against and whatnot. And that's just something that they don't really take into account. So, you know, being asked to do less against a lesser opponent and doing your job well gets you a better grade than being asked to do more against a greater opponent and doing okay. And I don't really think that's right. So I there's there's a lot of reasons for that. I just think you have to watch. I think some of those other ones are interesting. Quarterback almost feels similar where it's like there's a lot of stuff out there, but it's a really dependent position. Not that they're dependent on other people to be good, but their stats are dependent on other people being correct, mm-hmm. you know, catching the ball, tracking the ball down the field, et cetera, et cetera. I guess if you're going to look at one – no idea. No idea. I'm just going to skip past it. Okay. So what? there's pass rusher. There was uh wide receiver. Yep. Those two. Okay. Wide receiver and quarterback. I think with pass rusher, instead of pressures or sacks, I usually like to look at uh, quarterback hits as my first thing because that I believe encompasses every time and they are juicing these numbers anymore. I see defensive linemen in the past I don't know, five years, always will put a hand on the quarterback as they go by trying to get the stat guy to list it as a quarterback hit. But that means they actually got close. That's not a pressure that, you know, he came in wild and it wasn't really an effect on the play or a pressure that came really, really late and he can't even touch the quarterback type thing. These are, you know, they're hitting the quarterback. They're laying a, a solid hit on him. They were there. They were just a tiny bit late. So I like those. I like looking at that. And then I look at the sacks and the pressures and everything else. I think that is a, a one position you can look at for at least pass rushing and kind of get a feel for how good they may be um, at affecting the quarterback. Wide receiver. The easy ones like yards. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's too stupid. I don't know. Maybe it's it's too basic. But in my mind, it's like the first thing I look at is like, what are they like a fifteen hundred yard guy, a twelve hundred yard guy, and the consistency with that. I, I think you also want to look at like yards per target every time they get targeted. How often are they catching it? And when they catch it, you know how many yards does that go for? I think that's a good efficiency stat is looking at yards per target, catch percentage. Um, your average depth of target and that's not to see how good they are that would be to see what type of receiver you are are you just deep balls only 20 plus average depth of target or 
like the Jarvis Landry seven yards average depth of target, everything's underneath. And that usually correlates with your catch percentage. If, if you're getting a lot of deep targets, you're probably not catching all of them. If you're getting a ton of deep, ton of underneath targets, you're probably going to catch a lot of those. And that's where yards per target can matter, where it kind of factors in, you know, catching the same, you know, the impact of each one. But I think that's another one you can probably get a, a quite a bit from statistics. Uh, did I hit all of them? Or was, did I feel like you did. I mean, you were talking. Backs? Defensive were backs, talking. I mean, nothing. I don't know. <laughs> I, I dislike a lot of the, like, yards allowed stuff for defensive backs because, you know, you have to charge those to somebody. And when you're playing zone and you, you're supposed to let that up, or maybe the guy that's charting doesn't really know the job of the guy because – he's going through a million plays a day (laughs) and it's just kind of like quickly jotting down like whose fault is this and might be wrong on that. So, and also you can get beat and the guy drops the ball. I I feel like corner and safety and offensive line are the three most like watch those guys quarterback kind of in there too. So I hit a lot of those. I'm sorry if I missed any. I thought that was a really great question. I enjoyed that. It was. Yeah. Honestly, uh, we get a lot of, and, and I love all the questions, but we get, we go so offensive line heavy. Cause I think that's a big question mark for this team. Well, we just said it really wasn't, but right. Tackle conversation. And, and that was, I really enjoyed that. And more of uh, you brought up something we've already talked about. You said, what if uh, Dallas Lyle Collins returns to right tackle this year? And we said that would be great. So we'll top move five on. right tackle in the entire league when he was in Dallas. Sign me up, sign me up. Yep. Go ahead and that role. I don't care if 12 millions on the bench. If I'm getting that, if I'm getting that Lyle Collins. So uh, we'll go to since you know about it. I actually like this question. He goes, is there a single piece of Bengal swag, hat, jersey, towel, whatever, that you think needs to make a comeback? He said the classic CB hats from 1968, for example. This, I think, is a better question for you. Yeah, I'm a vintage. I will say this. I'm a vintage person when it comes to uh, sports attire. I don't wear jerseys. They're great. I will buy jerseys for people, but I won't wear them. I love the 90s, 80s version of any Bengals attire. I honestly wish my dad would have kept all this stuff because I could finally wear it now, and it's really cool. Um, I would say anything with the Leaping Tiger. Mm-hmm. I am a huge Leaping Tiger fan. It could be the ball cap. It could be a sweatshirt. That I wish the Cincinnati Bengals would just do it for one game, put it on the center of the field. Maybe it's one of the wideouts that they decide to do, and they'll do it, but that's one of my favorites of the Cincinnati Bengals. That was my first thought was leaping tiger on a hat, on a shirt, on a, or the Jersey. I don't know. Do they, I, they did Corey Dillon Jersey. If you look back no, on, no, I was going to say, do they do any throwbacks for current players with that? That'd be a fun one. That would be cool. Yeah. Getting like a Joe Burrow, but it's like nineties. Well, bad juju, but nineties <laughs> yeah, leaping tiger looks cool. And getting that Jersey would be pretty fun. So that would be my, thing too i love the leaping tiger early early aughts with the tiger in the middle of the field i wish it was back do it for one game I, i've been do saying it for it. 16 games do it for every game do it for nine <laughs> home games um but i mean it would be so easy and i actually like the lsu tiger eye i think that would be cool but they will they'll never go away from just kind of having the brand of the team in the middle of the field i don't yeah. know maybe it's in the end zone or something like that i think that would be really cool to see uh, but yeah, I love old school Bengals gear. I wanted to make a comeback. Unfortunately, since the Cincinnati Bengals are good, it's expensive now. 
you can't get a nice like old school sweatshirt or t-shirt for under 50 or 60 dollars if you can send them to me uh so that's the unfortunate part because that stuff used to be pretty cheap no it's not uh we'll get to one more question because we are running a little bit late on this but great twitter questions we're not going to get to all of them but shane says why is everyone so low on travion williams and so high on chase brown uh because we haven't seen chase brown so in college, he was really good. Now you're going to kind of conflate that with like, he's going to be really good in the NFL, which is certainly possible. And we've kind of seen Travion Williams, but also I think, you know, Travion Williams has been on the bench a long time. So people aren't really thinking about him that much like that. I agree with you though, with the idea that we should probably adjust. I think you should right now probably have the split as for the backup job behind Joe Mixon, like 50, 50. Like if you're thinking of trying to figure out the snap counts, something like 50, 25, 25% of the, of the pie. And maybe that's actually more like 40, 30, 30 or 60, 20, 20. I have no idea, but you know, 50, 25, 25 is what is in my mind right now. Mix is going to take half the snaps and then you're going to split the other two between Chase Brown and Travion Williams. And I'm not sure everybody's doing that because some people just think like, well, Chase Brown's going to take that job. We haven't seen Travion Williams do anything. And uh, yeah, that, that would be my quick thought. I think Travion Williams right now might have the P Ryan role. Uh, it seems like that's how they talk about it. Yeah. And one of my things that's really refreshing at this point, we're almost in June, we can just pretty much say that Joe Mixon's going to be on the squad and we don't have to talk about the questionable if Joe Mixon's going to be RB1 or anything like that. He's going to be on the team. So I'm kind of excited about that conversation being over and hopefully Joe Mixon has a great season and this might be his last one in Cincinnati. So um, I do look forward to Travion Williams and Trace Brown when it comes to that role, what that looks like for RB2 when it comes to the snap count. But that's plenty on the offense, the defense. Really great questions. Honestly, appreciate you guys sending those. Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. I know you're taking a little bit of a break, but if people missed it, what's up on all Bengals over the last month? A lot of the prospects um, and the first four guys are done. I'm going to try to get the fifth one done. And then it's probably a little bit of a break. Cool. Make sure you check that out again. Follow along. Great clips, tweets, everything on Twitter. I've already shared it, but I'll do it again. Bengals underscore Sands and check them out on all Bengals. And thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.